This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, welcoming you to Week in Review for October 22nd, 2010. In the news this week, a new survey confirms that medical students aren't getting enough training on how to comply with Medicare and Medicaid laws aimed at preventing fraud and abuse. As a result, federal authorities will prepare educational materials on the subject. Only 44% of medical schools surveyed offer instruction on Medicare and Medicaid fraud and abuse laws, according to a report from the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. 68% of institutions offering residency and fellowship programs reported providing fraud and abuse compliance instruction. The OIG will provide educational materials on fraud and abuse law compliance to provide medical schools and hospitals with a consistent starting point on which to build their training programs. Also in the news this week, two affiliated insurance plans serving Medicaid patients in Pennsylvania have reported the loss of an unencrypted portable flash drive with information on 280,000 members. The drive included members' health plan ID numbers and certain health information, according to Keystone Mercy Health Plan and AmeriHealth Mercy Health Plan. It also included the last four digits of 801 members' Social Security numbers, plus complete Social Security numbers for seven others. The health plans will offer free credit monitoring to those whose Social Security numbers, either in whole or part, were on the drive. So far, however, the companies say they have no evidence that anyone has attempted to use the information stored on the drive. In this week's featured interview, security expert Rebecca Harold points out that as healthcare organizations make broader use of wireless networks and devices, they must develop an aggressive risk management plan to address security threats. When building a plan for compliance with the security and privacy provisions of the HITECH Act and HIPAA, organizations must develop specific strategies for mitigating the additional risks involved in using wireless technologies, Harold says. Here's a clip from that interview. For managing risk, really there's some core actions and activities that organizations can take. They certainly need to make sure that they establish policies and procedures that are based on addressing the risks that are related to wireless use, wireless networks, and also the wireless devices. Then they need to make sure that those policies and procedures are communicated to everyone using the wireless networks and devices. They need to provide regular training about wireless security and privacy, and also send out regular awareness communications. I'll be back after a short break to tell you about the rest of our weekly review. Are you responsible for your institution's regulatory compliance program? Do electronic medical records, patient privacy, or data breaches keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the HealthCareInfoSecurity.com educational webinar library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit HealthCareInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Welcome back. In this week's featured blog, I point out that physician group practices looking for help in crafting social media policies have a valuable new resource. The Ohio State Medical Society has written an excellent document on social networking that includes best practices and sample policies. 
Social media hold great potential for educating patients and marketing services, but they also present great potential privacy risks. That's why it's so important to stress to staff that information about specific patients should never be posted on a social network. The Medical Society's new document offers a wealth of common sense advice on the use of social media, but perhaps the most valuable segments of the document are two detailed sample policies regarding social media use in the workplace. And in other news this week, a privacy and security tiger team advising federal regulators recommends that organizations involved in exchanging electronic health records should provide patients with clear, brief notices about their data sharing policies. In addition, they should make available a more detailed description of data exchange activities and privacy protections for those patients who want it. The Tiger team also called on hospitals and clinics to go beyond the notices to discuss their information exchange practices with patients. The Tiger team presented its preliminary recommendations on what it portrayed as transparency and openness issues to the Health IT Policy Committee on October 20. The committee did not take a vote on the proposals, but indicated the team was headed in the right direction. The Tiger team eventually will make a long list of final recommendations dealing with the privacy and security of health information exchange. Ultimately, the Department of Health and Human Services will determine how to use the recommendations approved by the HIT Policy Committee in new rules and regulations. Be sure to check out healthcareinfosecurity.com for all the latest news, interviews, blogs, and more. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.